0: Three, two, one, and we are back. I'm going to start out with letting all of you guys know that more than ever, knowledge equals confidence and ignorance equals fear. And you are awash right now with people trying to feed you misinformation, fake news about housing. So what Julie and I are going to do over the next couple of days, uh, and this is really critical that you stay drilled down and focused on these points, is we are going to give you the unequivocal, absolute, drilled-down facts about what's happening in housing—you need to write these points down, um, and then that way you can again feel confident and not feel fear. And remember, you're going to be tripping across people constantly—consumers, buyers, sellers, everyone you know—who's going to be full of fear because they're full. They're reading news headlines and really not knowing how to, um, you know, really cut through the Mickey Mouse that is so often in the news. And this happens, by the way, really smart people, (laughs) you know, Julie and I've had many conversations with really smart people over the last, you know, six months where they should know better than what they're saying. They, they're not thinking about what they're saying. All they're doing is they're parroting some headline that they heard someplace and they're not really drilling down. Like I'll give you guys a classic one, for example, just to kind of set the stage so you know what we're talking about. Prices are falling, prices are falling. And then they, then they'll, uh, you know, and they'll essentially think that means values are falling. I know this is confusing, right? Well, here's really what's going on. Yes, a seller is lowering his price. No, that does not mean the seller is losing money on the house. I mean provided they, you know, bought it a couple of years ago or even 12 months ago. So, right. even drilling down even further in your neighborhood, in your community, the headline's going to be sellers are lowering or dropping their prices faster than ever before. Okay, so what? Who cares? They were just being a little, you know, aspirational or greedy. And now what's happening is they're repositioning homes in the market to correctly reflect the market's expectations. Who cares? That's called a normal real estate transaction. Yeah. That's incredibly different. Way different than what happened back in 0708 where values were actually dropping less than what people paid for the houses.
1: Less than even what they owed for the house.
0: That is called a housing collapse. What you're experiencing now is nothing like it. And yet, how many people believe and how many buyers are actually making decisions on when to purchase because they don't want to catch Mm -hmm. a falling knife? Or sellers are actually believing, well, I don't want to sell now. The bottom's falling out on the market. The exact opposite is true. So it's your job to be the purveyor of truth And that's what today's podcast series is about.
1: Yes, great example there. And they will probably continue to hear that kind of drama. And so that's where we come in. Our job is to educate you, motivate you, and help you to get into action as a result. This next two podcasts today and tomorrow are going to be heavy on the education end, as Tim said. So get ready to take notes. There will be lots of stats and facts and figures and things like that because we're facting right now. We're not speculating. <laughs> we're not headlining. We're giving you what is actually going on. I have a lot of research in this. This is not speculative. This is actually what's happening.
0: It's worth mentioning, Julie, that the people writing the, the, you know, on the CNNs and the CNBCs and the Fox News and everyone else, they have access to this exact same information that yes. we're about to present. They choose not to present it.
1: No, they exactly. They choose to either spin it or take a micro point and try and turn it into something that it isn't. So that's why we have to do podcasts like this now and then.
0: And Julie and I have thought ever since we saw, uh, you know, 2007 when that really was a legit housing crash, we noticed how quick the headlines went to be anti-housing. And that's always yeah. been a little bit of a curious thing. You guys can kind of speculate as to why. Obviously, it's people are clicking on the negative headlines and they're reading the headlines and thus the news outlets are producing product and their product is you know something that people will want to read there there is that there's the profit motive but also there's a lot of people out there that don't believe and uh, frankly they just want housing to be socialized and those people always come out of the woodwork anytime there's an economy like this i it's very i remember very clearly back in 07 08 09 there were a lot of people that were just basically saying that there should be in essence a limit to um, you know private property rights I know. Where there should be some sort of federalized uh, housing where, you know, all this. And and that was what people were actually believing, essentially taking away one of the uh, core tenets of our country, which is being of its own property or, you know, more traditionally, the American dream. So there are all kinds of weird reasons, uh, subversive reasons, if you ask me, why people want to see housing collapse and you've got to realize that a lot of the people writing these articles, too, this is what Julie and I talked about yesterday, writing the articles, writing the headlines, how old are they? They're, they're kids. They're people in their 20s. They have no reference as to uh, the last housing market or really history beyond their own you know, lifespan. And they probably themselves don't make very much money because you know, it turns I, out being a reporter yeah. doesn't pay very well. I was
1: going to say that. Also, they are not buyers or sellers.
0: Yeah, because they probably can't afford to buy a home. So they're biased in their reporting. So again, you're going to have to be somebody who is reading news, even this podcast, anything you hear, you got to kind of run it through a skeptical filter. And then once you trust the source and then validate the source is trustworthy, then you can go forth and assume that the information is, you know, something that you can uh, present to other people. But it, it is incredibly important more than ever that you absolutely positively become your own guru, your own expert, your own you know, essentially someone who you would want to go to to listen to with regards to advice and with regards to prognostications as to the future of housing. So without any further delay...
1: Yes, well put, thank you for that intro. So what is happening in real estate by the numbers? Again, we're talking facts here. I have fact checked this up one side and down the other, so no (laughs) worries here. There are buyer, seller, and investor prospects everywhere, but if you're nervous or awkward about having conversations about real estate, you will miss out on those opportunities. Remember that knowledge equals confidence, ignorance equals fear. Know the talking points so that you can speak with confidence about the market. Stop being a secret agent and you will soon find more people to help buy and sell real estate. Find your conversational confidence, talk about real estate all the time, and soon you will be generating tons of new transactions. So here we are on part one of your talking points, uh, day one, part uh, point number one, mortgage rates. That's always a hot topic. Are they up? Are they down or are they stable? Here's the facts. This week, the average annual percentage rate, that's what they state as APR, on a 30-year fixed rate mortgage fell six basis points to an average of 6.46%. The average APR on a 15-year fixed rate mortgage fell by five basis points to 5.584, according to rates provided by NerdWallet. Okay. And Nerd Wallet is also tied to Zillow somehow, but it I, I, I just, find their facts to be good.
0: I'm just laughing that you of course would visit a You know, a website called NerdWallet. Well,
1: you know, it's my people, right?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: The 30-year fixed rate mortgage is 11 basis points, and we'll define a basis point in just a second, lower than one week ago, so it's coming down, and 120 basis points still higher than one year ago. A basis point is one one-hundredth of one percent, and rates are expressed as an annual percentage rate, again known as APR. So what does this even mean? Again, talking point. Note to self: On a three hundred thousand dollar thirty year mortgage, a fifty basis points increase in the mortgage rate adds about a hundred dollars to the monthly payment, and about thirty five thousand to the total interest paid over the life of the loan if it's not refinanced.
0: And by the way, who stays in the house thirty years?
1: Or doesn't refinance if the rate's too high, right? Exactly. I mean, the, the, and and you know that is it's interesting that you bring that up because. I think that people get really stuck on the exact rate on you know the day that they close. Just because it's called a 30-year mortgage does not mean that you're either going to stay there for 30 years, to your point, or that you're actually locked in for that 30 years. You have lots of options.
0: Just make sure there's no prepayment penalty on the mortgage, which we haven't seen for years, but sometimes those sneak yes, in. Yes,
1: that's right. And you know, mortgage uh, products are changing a lot. A lot of this stuff is coming back. And so it is wise to check for that.
0: Well, along those lines, Julie, as there will, there will be more banks that fail. the the commercial, I know yes. this is one of your points, so I want I'm not going <laughs> to step on it. <laughs> but there is going to be a um, commercial, I don't want to use the word collapse, but I will anyway, because I already said it uh, for commercial loans, for commercial mortgages that are are you know attached to yeah. buildings, mostly office buildings. And he, this is an interesting you know little tidbit. So if you go to a lender to buy, I'll just make up something, 100, uh, let's say it's a, I don't know, 10-story office building, right? And the 10-story office building has so many offices that collect so much rent every single month. Let's call it a medical building, whatever, right? Sounds like an absolute, and banks have historically treated these types of loans. These things are beyond grade A um, risk. They're just absolutely locked in obviously this is very little debt that, or very little risk from the lender's perspective. So lenders love these sort of commercial loans. They have a lot of them. Most lenders have 40% of all their um, loan portfolios are these types of commercial loans. But here's what's happened. A lot of the space now, in order for the landlords to rent the space, have been lowering the price, the cost per square foot. So, like if you're in an office building and you guys are commercial, you're gonna be able to understand this better than I'm explaining it. But one of the ways they're gonna figure out, well, what's the value of the building is they're gonna look to see what the average cost per foot is. And one building must be this, it might be this cost per foot, and another might be this, just depending on the amenities and the age and all the rest of it. So, if uh, when the borrower, uh, the investor, the landlord goes to the bank, to secure the loan to buy that commercial property one of the things one of the covenants that's almost always written into these commercial mortgages is that the mortgage or i'm sorry the rents cannot be lowered than or lower than a specific amount in other words the value of the building is directly tied to what they can rent it out for every single month and that's an, unlike residential housing it's much more rigid, much more analytical, much more, you know, black and white more strict, right? If the building is going to be able to rent for this, then it's worth this. If it's running for lower than that, then guess what? The building is now worth lower than that. That's it. That's how they figure it out. It's very, very, you know, that's it analytical. So what you're going to discover are a lot of these mortgages, uh, a lot of the landlords have to lower their rents in order to get the tenants to stay. Uh, because the market's become too competitive, or just to get the units rented out. And their loans aren't going to permit them to do that. So they're going to be in default of their loans, sometimes even when they're making payments, because they've essentially changed the terms of the mortgage by devaluing the asset that the bank is, in essence, a partner with. So that's one of the little widgets that you're not going to see, obviously, on the residential side. And that's what's happening in San Francisco. That's what's happening in these major cities. But I'll tell you, this is what Julie and I predict is going to happen. There is zero chance, and I mean zero, that there will not be some sort of government bailout. It just won't happen. There's going to be some kind of government bailout because they cannot—the the the banking system cannot handle uh, the domino effect of a bunch of banks failing. And these smaller local banks are almost always the ones that are carrying the largest percent of this commercial-type debt. So when you hear in the news, and it's starting to, you know, percolate its way into the headlines of every newspaper now, you know, by newspaper I mean website, and you're seeing that they're all talking about the same thing. Now why am I telling you all this? You guys are residential agents, 99% of you. It's because your consumers are reading these headlines and not realizing when they're talking about a real estate crash or collapse. They're not reading beyond the headline, and they're thinking it means housing. You guys get it?
1: Yes, because real estate is all one big bucket, right? Exactly.
0: In people's minds, they don't understand. So That's,
1: that's true. And a lot of the financial reporting, you know, the more like the stock analysts and guys like that, they just look at real estate as an asset class mm-hmm. like they would something else. And so it becomes very confusing unless you pull out these very specific facts. So yes, when you hear... You know, a headline might say 25% vacancy rate. Well, okay, that is downtown Chicago in office buildings, high rises. That is not in your neighborhood. Okay, so point number two, and point number two has a lot to it, but there is a great punchline at the end. So (laughs) bear with me here. All right, so the next question, of course, would be, what will rates do in the near future? Should a buyer lock in now or roll the dice? You guys are getting this question from your buyer prospects, and many of your buyer prospects are also seller prospects. They have a listing as well. Now, the market now assigns an 85% probability of the Fed hiking rates another 25 basis points. We just talked about what basis points are. That's supposed to happen next week, uh, which is their next meeting coming up, even though there, is, uh, there are two things. One, clear signs inflation is already trending down, and also increasing recession risks are forecast. So here's the saying, a buyer should marry the house and date the rate. Lock in this week's lower rates. Remember, rates came down week over week, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> but also have a float down feature. For example, a mortgage rate lock float down locks in a rate during the underwriting period, but has an option to reduce it if the market interest rates fall during that period. Remember, some of you guys have pendings for 60 days, 90 days, a lot can happen with interest rates. Borrowers are protected against a rate increase because they locked in at today's rate, while the float down option allows them to take advantage of a rate drop during the lock period. So this is a way to deal with, should I wait? Should I lock in or not? Should I roll the dice? now? This option sometimes comes at a fee, the cost of which depends on the lender. Many mortgage lenders don't charge any fee. It's a USP for them, a unique selling proposition. They advertise, we won't charge you for a uh, float down, but some do. Typically they charge between a quarter point, maybe a half percent of the total loan amount for a rate lock of 60 days or less, and between 0.06 and 0.375 for an extension. So if you if you get a delay, and I remember this used to happen to us a lot, when we are closing lots of transactions, you have a delay. Oh no, they're gonna lose their rate. This is a reason that you want to do those extensions. Now, ultimately a refinance is always a possibility when rates go low enough to affect the payment. Just because a borrower closes today at six and a half does not mean they have to have that rate forever. So what is the bottom line to handling this question? Remember, objections are questions, right? Should I wait or should I lock in? Home is key to building wealth no matter what the rate is. Check out these facts. As a result of home price appreciation over the last decade,
0: inflation. To yes. Replace the word appreciation with inflation. inflation. It, it acts the result's the same.
1: Yes. And the quote forced savings of monthly mortgage payments, the net worth of a typical homeowner is 40 times the net worth of a renter. That's an NAR stat. Net worth is calculated by subtracting liabilities from assets. Homeowners in the U.S. have a median homeowners in the U.S have a median net worth of $255,000, while renters have a net worth of $6,300. That's a difference of 40 times between the two groups. I also got that from MSNBC as well. Now, a recent study done by NAR, N-A-R, found that over the last decade, the median-priced home appreciated or inflated by about $190,000. But of course, that only matters to people who actually
0: own homes. So you said a few things. I'm sort of curious. This is the first time me hearing and seeing this. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, on our podcast, I didn't read our notes prior. Where did you, the source that was predicting that there was going to be a 50 basis point Rate increase. Do you remember where that source was?
1: I think that was through Housing Wire, and that is related to whatever I just said. It was related to bond rates and some other stuff.
0: Okay, so I bet you there won't be any uh, raise of any rates, and I'll tell you why. Why? Because it's political now. Yeah. That's why. Because and the presidential politi- races on. It, that's exactly why. I hope you're right. Yeah. There won't be a, well.
1: Or there might be a quarter point instead of a half point, too.
0: Ultimately, what they're trying to do, obviously, is they're trying to slow down the economy. They're trying to slow down the rate of things increasing in price, mm-hmm. AKA inflation. But really, they can't. At this point, it won't right. matter. It, it, inflation yeah. is here to stay. And in many sectors, it's just going to get worse. And this is just a mega cycle of inflation. We've experienced this before. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can't raise the rates. This is what's kind of fascinating too, guys. There is no easy button. And I won't say what they did back in, you know, uh, 1981 was the easy button when they raised rates to almost 20%. That's what they did. That's how bad things got in terms of inflation. The prices of things were going uh, sky high, everything. You know, when it's, uh, when inflation creeps its way into food prices – and you know, everything else, then it really starves people. There, people start becoming food insecure. There are actual real problems yeah. that happen when there's inflation. It's tragic. I mean, it was Venezuela, Julie. I mm-hmm. you know This is true, and this is in recent history. The inflation got so bad, people couldn't buy what was in the stores. The stores couldn't replenish their shelves. The stores went out of business. Mm-hmm. People were starving, and they ate the animals in the zoo. Yeah,
1: and yeah. the strays and the, you know.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's what happens when there's really bad inflation. Uh, Will it happen here? No, it won't happen here. Could it in other countries that aren't as large and prosperous as the United States? It could. But this inflationary cycle, the easy button, quote unquote, air quotes, right, is to raise rates to the point where basically people say, I'm just going to keep my money and I'm not going to spend. Oh, well, that can't happen this time. And here's why. Because the country owes over $30 trillion in debt. And most of that debt is uh, very short term loans, basically. So they, you guys should just if you want to really you know dig into this go to treasurydirect.gov treasurydirect.gov you can actually buy a treasury T, t- bill right now that'll pay four to five percent that means the government is auctioning off the debt uh, that you will then purchase and then essentially. That's the interest they're going to pay on that. You can do a Treasury T bill. I looked on uh, Monday, a couple, you know, and the actual rate that you could get, Julie, and this was for a ninety-day T bill. You mm-hmm. could put in as little as a hundred dollars, was almost five percent. Yeah. That's so, staggering. so that means that the government is going to, ha- if we were to buy that T bill, the government's going to have to pay us five percent in ninety days. And there's other forms of government debt too that even pay more. So the government is having to pay more to get people to want to buy its debt. And when that happens, that means obviously all of the debt that the country has—the 31 trillion, 30—I 30, think it's three trillion dollars now—all of that debt, the interest payments on that debt, most of which, again, is is not on like long-term 100-year debt cycles. It's very short-term. So the debt, the interest rate on most of the U.S. debt is increasing, like every 90 days, every six months. There, there will be a time, and it is, you know, on the near future. Where if they keep raising rates, the debt, the interest payments to all the, you know, bondholders, basically, it's going to get to the point where the government is going to have to do raise the hell out of taxes, which is basically, you know, that's most likely what they're going to try to do. But how much can you tax people during, um, you know, an inflationary time like that? Uh, Or frankly, they're going to have to cut spending or both. So is it possible that the government's going to actually start to have to cut spending to all the quote unquote entitlements? And no, I don't know. I mean, what's going to happen when all of a sudden Social Security payments aren't automatically – like my mom, she lives with us. She's 83. She's Her Social Security goes up with inflation. She just gets an automatic boost in her Social Security. Well, there are a lot of people like my mom who are getting paid a lot of money, and is there some point when that can't be sustainable? I don't know. So this is the, this is the problem with this whole idea – that the Fed can uh, tame inflation by continuing to raise the rates. After all, that's worked in the past. It can't work now because the amount of uh, interest payments on the debt. So I don't know what the, what, what's going to result in this super cycle. Nobody does. And Julie and I are blessed to have some very smart people as friends, and we've asked him about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, most recently Peter Schiff. We were over his house, and we were having this very conversation with him. And you guys know Peter because he's on Fox News. He's on CNBC. He's everywhere. He's kind of like a global economic superstar, basically. And we're having this very conversation and asking him what he thought was ultimately going to happen. And the real question is, is how long will the world want to continue to fund our our debt? And, you know, fortunately, at this point, it doesn't seem like there's ever that uh, people aren't, you know, different sovereigns, different countries. It doesn't seem like they're going to want to stop buying it. So that's good. But there will be a point where the interest rate is going to get so high that it's going to be kind of a scary thing for the, you know, the the ramifications are not small. Um, Which, by the way, if you're looking for great short-term interest rates, definitely look into T-bills. Definitely yeah. buy some treasuries. That's a big trend right now. I'm yeah, for reading sure. Reading about well, that as well. Julie, Apple opened its own damn bank. You yeah. know that, right? I yeah. Told you. So yeah. Apple, Apple opened its bank. It's partnered with uh, Goldman Sachs, I believe, mm-hmm. and their entry their their rate is four point one two five or four point one five percent for savings. Right. You can write you can go and open up a, a bank uh, a savings account and get in the mid fours because the banks have to compete with the treasuries. Yeah,
1: that's kind of awesome.
0: Well, it is kind of awesome. So if you're you know if you have your money in a bank that's not paying at least the mid fours. There you go. (laughs) So there's a lot of shifting going on right now. Yep.
1: Okay. So point number three, another talking point, aren't sales way down this year? Lots of headlines saying real estate number of sales, volume of sales has plummeted. Well, they are down, but they're not what you would call way down. Existing home sales last month declined by 2.4% month over month but the projected total sales volume is still higher than it was at the beginning of the year. The beginning of the year, everybody was worried it was gonna be right around 4 million uh, home sales. Now to compare that, last year, I think we were closer to five. Previous year, it was like five and a half. During the first year of COVID, it was closer to six. So yes, that's down, but it has been steadily creeping up. NAR and other sources project an annualized pace now of 4.440 units this year. So here's the only question you should uh, worry about with regards to this point. How many transactions do you need this year to
0: meet or exceed your goals? Well, do the math on that. So 4.4 million transactions, let's mm-hmm. say, and each let's say the average sale price is 425 grand. And I don't know what the average commission is, let's not, you know, uh, let's just assume that there's two sides to it. Let's assume the commission is 6%, so you're now talking about let's say 25,000 each uh, buyers agents making 12, the listing agents making 12. Uh, multiply that times 4.4, right? That's a lot. That should
1: be enough for you guys, I'm just saying. (laughs) I mean, how many of those are you going to be part of? So before
0: you start believing there's a lack of opportunity, (laughs) it's just that you're, you know, frankly, not drilling down and seeing that there's opportunity everywhere. You are smart to be in real estate. You are blessed to be in real estate in this market. Everyone is interested in buying or selling always. You're not selling something that people can just voluntarily choose not to buy anymore. They always have to live someplace. You know, God bless homeless people. You guys get what I'm saying. But the moral of the story is don't be afraid of or don't believe the misinformation about the housing market. And also, if you are confused about what direction you should be going right now, it should be abundantly clear to all of you to join Premier Coaching. And the best part is we made Premier Coaching free for you to join. You can just click the link in the description of today's show. Just scroll down, read the description, and then there's a link right there you can join. Or you can just go to premiercoaching.com. Or if you'd like, you can just text the word Premier to 47372. But really, any of those three pathways, the easiest way is you're listening on YouTube, you're listening on Spotify, you're listening to us over on YouTube, or I said YouTube, on iTunes, wherever you're listening, open up the description, click the link, join Premier Coaching, you're off to the races, or just go to premiercoaching.com. Yes, that includes, and I'll let you guys always ask this, there is no upsell, there's no gotcha. Yes, that includes a daily semi-private coaching call with a Harris certified coach. So you, depending on when you join, you're going to obviously have as many as 25 semi-private coaching calls, and you're going to have all kinds of you know information that you're going to have instant access to. This is the direction you need in this market. This is the reason that Premier Coaching is probably the nation's number one selling coaching program, and this is the number one daily podcast because we do give you guys information that's practical, tactical. You listen to this podcast feeling educated, motivated, and then hopefully you're going to get into action. So go to premiercoaching.com or just click the link that's in the description of today show, wherever you happen to be listening to us.
1: Point number four, our final point for today's podcast, another talking point, our price is going to crash. This might be the number one, should have been at the top, but our price is going to crash. Thanks to low inventory and rising demand, the median sales price didn't crash, hasn't crashed. It actually rose month over month. Now it's at about three hundred and seventy six thousand. You were saying four hundred. It depends on your market, but somewhere around four hundred. You're talking, you're talking medium, medium versus
0: average. So you that's said right. medium. The average is four twenty five. The median yeah. is three seventy six.
1: Yeah. So there are places, mostly in the western cities, that have had a decline in average sales price, and that's been about eight to ten percent in San Francisco, San Jose. Uh, about 10% lower uh, this year versus last, but I read a report this morning that said that that has started to stabilize and they think that that's gonna be the end of that uh, lowering. Now, much of the rest of the country is averaging between three and 8% increase year over year with some areas even higher. Now, how do you know about your own market? Check your own hot sheet to see what's hot and what's not locally. Every market has areas that sell better than others, price ranges, neighborhoods, zip codes. The difference that's developing now is that some homes in your market will sit on the market longer. And by longer, really, we're still talking 45 days or less. And others will still get bidding wars. You have to know your subject property. We're no longer moving in lockstep where you can say, well, my whole town's doing this. No, neighborhoods are different. So drill down before every listing appointment and before writing offers for your buyers each subject property has a different pricing profile. Now, one of the reasons, and I didn't get this in my notes because I just read about it yesterday. Um, One of the reasons that we have this whole demand bubble, okay? So it's all a function of supply and demand. We have low inventory, we have high demand. So I heard a statistic that, and this was a housing wire one, um, Gen Z, uh, and Gen X and Gen Z. No, I'm sorry. It's Gen Z and Gen Y. Okay. So the younger, uh, younger than millennials. Right. The combination of those two generations is larger than the entire population of Japan. Yeah. And they are starting to come up and buy homes now, The especially the uh, Gen Z are starting to buy homes. So the it, Gen Y is a little bit too young. They go down to age 13. So the early 20 somethings are starting to be Now, why does this matter? Because as of last month.
0: I think you had it. A- more it, than you had it backwards, but that's okay.
1: More than 30% of home sales were first time buyers. Yep. Okay, so when you hear the headline, nobody's selling right now because they don't want to break up with their three and a half percent interest rate, guess what? First time buyers don't have that problem. And they're gobbling up a lot of the inventory.
0: Julie, yeah. while you were reading these points, here's where my mind was going. So if the yeah. average sale price, not medium, average sale price is 425000 mm-hmm. And let's say somebody puts down, let's say they have a $350,000 mortgage balance. I'm going to challenge you, right? I you're, don't know
1: off the top of my head without looking at it. You know, that, know what I'm going to ask
0: you. But yeah. what, what do you reckon the PITI is? The principal interest taxes and insurance Maybe. is on three hundred fifty grand? 2500 bucks. Yeah, let's I was going to say? say 26 Okay, so depending you, on their taxes. Now, right? I want you, listeners, listen to what I'm about to present to you, and this is what you got to remember. So, if someone's going to spend $30,000 per year on a house, this does not include maintenance and upkeep, it's just basically the cost of the house. Mm-hmm. First of all, that house probably would cost that much to rent. I mean, that would be what the payment would be if they're renting. Probably pretty
1: close. Yep. Yeah.
0: But here's the thing that's fascinating. If that house inflates or appreciates by 8%, That house at four hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. Basically, their cost of living is free because the house Mm -hmm. will have inflated, appreciated, at a greater, uh, you know, in terms of actual dollar amounts, it will have inflated greater than what they'll actually have paid to live in the house, and that's year after year after year. And by the way, the inflation compounds. So, or rather, the the uh, next year's, like say, goes up eight percent. That's based on you know they bought it at four twenty-five, and now it's worth you know four. 32, 440. Now the 8% the following years, based on 440. That's the reason that homeowners are able to actually. Uh, Accumulate buy.
1: wealth. And, I mean, call it what it is.
0: And right now in an inflationary time, if you're wanting, if you're feeling fear, in an inflationary time, real estate, assets, things that actually go up because of the fact of, you know, all the things you guys are experiencing right now in life, that's where, that, that's how you make the money. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. was, I believe it was Baron von Rothschild, and this was forever ago, but he said when there's, and this is, he meant this literally, and I'm not meaning this mm-hmm. literally, but he yeah. said, when there's blood on the streets, buy real estate. And right, that meant when there's the absolute unraveling of society, buy real estate, because nobody else is going to buy it. And I'm hearing other people now say similar things, like all these Bitcoin gold types yeah. and whatever, whatever, they're all saying buy real estate, buy mm-hmm. real estate. Of course, you're going to buy real estate.
1: That's called demand.
0: Exactly. And if inflation is going to drive, now let's just say we're in this long-term inflationary cycle, as frankly we believe and many other people believe as well, where you're going to be looking at, say, 6%, 8%, something like you know every year the homes are going to appreciate or inflate by that amount. Where is that $400,000 house going to be in 10 years? Do the math. Take $400,000 right now. Uh, we're not going to do it for you. And then add 8%. And mm-hmm. do that, add 8% to whatever that, uh, the new number is. Do it 10 times. I'm. I'll tell you, just off the top of my head, that house is going to be worth. You guys can check me on this and put it in comments. I'm um, just doing it in my head. I think 1.1 $1. Uh, $1 million dollars. So in 10 years, that house will more than double in value, and you're talking about a homeowner then who will have at least what 600 thousand dollars in equity. Not to mention what the money they put down and paid down towards the mortgage. You guys get it?
1: <laughs> but you wouldn't want to close at 6.5% today. You know, exactly. Oh, we're going to focus on that instead. And you know what else that cracks me up, okay? This is, is just so, I don't know. It, it I guess it irks me in some way. There were so many people for so long, and you guys know it because you were doing these deals. How many deals did you do in the past 3, 5, even 10 years where the buyer was willing to pay over appraisal by 10,000, 50,000, sometimes 100,000 in the higher end, even more than that, they were happy to part with that. What does that equate to in $100 more a month because the rates went up? You know, if you're a $350,000 borrower, right? So how is it that they were willing to throw money at it like that and literally overpay by saying, I will close the appraisal gap, And yet they're so resistant to a couple hundred dollars more or $500 per month because they don't think about it the same way.
0: I, I honestly don't think what you're saying is accurate. I don't think there's that perception amongst consumers. I think that's just the headlines. That are trying to make people think that's Definitely more
1: than well, because, people actually closing, certainly.
0: Because here's why. Yeah. When you put a home for sale, even if uh, the prevailing rates are 6.5%, mm-hmm. uh, th- we don't have an interest rate problem. We have Wait. an inventory problem.
1: Absolutely. 100%. It, it, if you that's ta- one of tomorrow's points.
0: It, well, but that's the bottom line. Yeah. There's not an interest rate problem. And I don't think, frankly, there would be that much of an interest rate problem. The reason that the market slowed down when the interest rates were at 8% it was, frankly, because people were just the change. It happened so fast. Yeah. It, they, there was fear. And Temporary pe- shock. Right. When people feel fear, they do nothing. They go to ground, right? They go to their caves and they block it, up, block the entrance off and just <laughs> wait for the storm clouds to clear. Yeah. That's what people always do. There is an inventory problem. There is a lack of homes for sale. You put real estate for sale, even with interest rates at 6.5%, people are going to figure it the hell out, especially if they're moving out of a house that they're able to put down – Uh, you know, 50% into the new mortgage. They don't care what their rate is. Who cares?
1: No. And further to your point. Okay. So I I'm with you. I just think it's interesting that we were throwing money at appraisals for so long. Um, So the other thing, and I have to look up the stat for tomorrow's show. It is a certain price range on average that goes also with an age range. And I think it's right around 45 years old and your third house where you stop financing for the most part Mm -hmm. you you just it's not an issue for you you're either going to downsize and pay cash or you're going to upsize and you have accumulated enough because of how real estate works that you're again either going to have a significant down payment or you're going to pay cash so again the the whole rate sensitive thing i think you're right is less of reality and more of a headline
0: and you know i'm there uh, julie you said this a second ago there are a lot of people out there that have super low rates and uh, yeah, they're probably gonna if they're if they're money minded, they're gonna sit on those mortgages and they're That's gonna true. and they're gonna let the inflation pay the house off over time. You know, it's free money. Mm-hmm. But most people don't think like that. Most of you don't think like that. You're gonna say, I want a new house. I need the more space. I want to be closer to this or further away from that. And then you're gonna sell your house even if it has a three percent interest rate. And then you're gonna walk into another one that even has a six and a half percent interest rate. But you're gonna walk into that having uh you know sold your last house and maybe walked away with two, three $300,000 because yep. you bought it at the right time, because of inflation. And the payment's not going to be that much different than what it was when the interest rates were lower because of the fact you put so much more money down. That's right.
1: And also, the house that you bought that was more expensive, when it goes up by X percent every year, that's based on a higher price. Thus, you are building more equity.
0: Right, exactly. I mean, nope,
1: there's that, right? That's the
0: cool thing about real estate. <laughs> One of I the know. many, many amazing things. And you guys are in the right place, at the right time, in the right market, provided you have the right information and, and, and then when you're at you know orange theory hopefully or you're one of these other places and you're having conversations about real estate and the people probably just listen to a bunch of garbage news on the <laughs> way over to the you know yeah. workout you're going to be able to hit them across the head nicely with a nerf bat that mm-hmm. with with facts a housing and nerf bat they're going to love talking to you because you're not an idiot you're giving them the truth this is what make gives you confidence and when you're able to talk with confidence about facts, then what happens? They want to do deals with you. They want to do business with you. They will immediately, you want to know what makes you special? It's when you actually have done the work to provide information to people that they then put value on. So they're talking to you and you're you know, facting them, and then they talk to somebody else who also has a real estate license, and that person's just spouting something that they heard on CNN. You guys get the point? Just remember, there always are people that want housing to fail. There are people that for whatever their agendas are, whatever their motivations are, you've got to filter that information. You've got to realize most of the information being provided, are, is, it's not real facts. It's are people's opinions loosely based on facts. And then, well, why is your opinion that way? Why do you think everyone – like here's another trend that's going to start. Mark my word. We're going to start talking about microhomes again. <laughs> We're going to start talking about you know, people living in four or 500 square feet. That's going to be a thing. And they're, they're going to say, well, why don't we just, you know, take these big fields of these, you know, formal, uh, former uh, shopping malls, knock them all, uh, knock the buildings down and put in 12 billion of these little micro homes. That's called a trailer park, guys. <laughs> right. OK, that nothing wrong yeah. with trailer parks, nope, but that's, that's called a trailer park. Not Let a just, new idea. Right. Exactly. They're trying to say a micro home. Oh, here's what it's going to look like. It's going to be a rectangle. It's going to have these really cool things and really cool lights and windows and the rest of it. You're describing a trailer. That's what you're describing. These are not new ideas. This is <laughs> true. So anyway. It's just a
1: spin, as always. It right? is. So,
0: guys, pay attention to the facts. Um, apply the facts. Help people to then make informed decisions. And you will find yourself you know, doing more of those transactions of the 4.4 million that are projected to mm-hmm. happen in the next 12 months you can possibly imagine. In the meantime, do the right thing. Give us a five-star review on iTunes. Not a four-star. Come on. Give us a five-star and include a pithy comment. If you're over on um, uh, YouTube, please do subscribe, leave a comment. That's great as well. Thank you for getting our uh, YouTube – we have now over – I didn't tell you, did I? Mm -hmm. We have over 20,000 subscribers on YouTube. The podcast is still over – this year so far, it's had one point – it's like almost two million downloads and listens. So we are – I think because of the fact that we're giving you guys – non-fluff information and you're walking away from this podcast, uh, feeling frankly motivated and confident and educated, this podcast continues to be, uh, one of the, if not the number one source put, especially on digital for, mm-hmm. you know, real estate agents, number one podcast, number one. And it's, you know, we could even become the number one podcast internationally for real estate agents, which is pretty so. cool. Yeah. So in the meantime, guys, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to pick up tomorrow where we left off today. Have a fantastic day.